0: Good to see everybody today. Happy 4th. Okay. Two people are very excited about the 4th of July. The rest of us here hanging out. We'll do something different today. We are going to uh, allow Pastor Derek to speak today. We normally don't do that since it's the 4th of July weekend. and We all know he's from the motherland where they oppressed us. And uh, he calls this weekend the weekend of great defiance. We call it independence, but uh, anyway, we're going to extend the olive branch and a uh, good Christian spirit of love and forgiveness and allow him to speak. So if you're here today and it's your first time, that blue bulletin that you have, there's a little connect card in there, and if you want to communicate anything to us or ask us questions, you can fill that out, drop it in the gray boxes on the way back, um, there's an announcement in the bulletin about a Haiti meeting. you want to read about that. We have a Mexico team leaving this Thursday. Please pray for the Mexico team as we go, and uh, keep us in prayer. We're going to be building an addition on, um, on the school down there and also running a vacation Bible school. All right, that's it for me today. God bless you. Thanks for being here, and here he comes now. It's
1: good to see you guys. Um, yes, I was born in England, um, as John mentioned but I actually con- uh, converted. <laughs> I actually um, I actually became a, a U.S. citizen in 99. Thank you very much. So um, we celebrate the 4th in my house. We have a big cookout. and um, So anyway, happy July 4th weekend. It's good, it's good to see you guys. Um, we are kicking off uh, a new series called Countercultural Living. And um, John and I are really excited. It's where we're going to be headed the next couple of months. And we're using the... The book in the New Testament called First Peter. So if you have a Bible or maybe you haven't taken out your Bible in a while, I encourage you to start a habit of bringing your Bible on Sunday. I know we have all the words on your outline and everything, but it's kind of cool to write notes in your own Bible and then you got it for later when you no longer can find your little blue bulletin down the road. Um, anyway, we're going to look at First Peter, and it's a great book in the New Testament. Many of us that haven't really read much of First Peter don't know much about First Peter, um, it's not that popular in the United States, but it's very popular among Christians in other countries, particularly Christians who are being persecuted for their faith in other countries, because it is a, it's a letter that was written to um, Christians who are being persecuted for their faith. And, um, and so it really speaks and inspires and encourages uh, those who are, you know, experiencing a lot of adversity in their uh, Christian faith. Uh, it also has a lot of just great practical, nuts and bolts, great instruction, godly instruction for how to live out our faith. Um, not necessarily as the world would tell us we're supposed to live, but the way that Christ encourages us to live. And so, um, anyway, to start off this series and to kind of just give you a, a face or a picture of, um, of you know, kind of the audience for this, I want you to, I want to welcome uh, Sarah up to the stage. Sarah, if you'd come and join us, please. If you guys give her a hand. There you go, Sarah. We did this in the first service, so we are professionals at this point, right? You ready to do this again? Yes. Okay. I'm more excited about this than the rest of my message this morning. So um, I tell you, this is going to be a lot of fun. So Sarah, um, you've been coming to Grace for about a year now, is that right? Yes. Okay, good deal. Um, and so you were born in Iran, and you grew up there. Um, you actually were, were raised in a Muslim home. Uh, but you never really um, found a connection with God through Islam. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Um, uh, since uh, I was a teenager when I was uh, uh, at high school, uh, I was uh, witnessing uh, the, um, Iran's regime uh, violent behavior uh, against uh, people, uh, their own people, especially who, who were converted uh, to Christianity. And um, that uh, made me uh, think, um, look for that made me look for something uh, different, something that uh, makes me calm and uh, gives me peace. So that was the first point that I was thinking about uh, Christianity.
1: Good deal. So, um, so uh, tell me about your first. The first time you really had real exposure to Christianity, how did that happen? That was in high school, right? Yeah. Uh,
2: At high school, I have a friend of mine. She was a Christian. And when we were hanging out uh, together, uh, I was just seeing uh, the warm environment. And uh, I was seeing how they are cool and very peaceful. And I was really encouraged to find out more about Christianity.
1: So, your first exposure through this friend you're like, "Wow, yeah. this looks really cool and different exactly. from kind of what i'm what i'm what I've been exposed mm-hmm. to with Islam okay and then, um, jumping forward a little bit through through a series of events, you ended up in university, not in Iran but in Armenia right right, right next to iran nice. and um, and then you you were able to attend a church service there to explore this christianity thing a little bit more right. tell us about that experience for you
2: um uh, after my friend at high school uh, when i went to armenia i i had the great opportunity to find more about christianity and um because i felt free uh, and um, find something that i really looking for so I started to go to churches and uh, attending the services and the environment. And their, especially their, the, the time that they were doing um, chorus, it was very amazing for me. And I really felt comfortable.
1: Mm. So, so you felt something there. You felt a connection with God, presence exactly. of God. Yes. Um, and so you were attending and then you got to a point where you actually decided that you wanted to meet with a pastor, mm-hmm. tell us about that.
2: Um, after a while, when I was attending uh, church services, I decided to went to a pastor, uh, and uh, me and one of my friends went to him, and uh, I told him that I uh, really uh, put my faith in Jesus Christ, and I want to convert to Christianity.
1: Wow, now this is no small—sorry about this. Uh, this is no small deal. Okay, this is actually a huge huge thing um because there was tremendous risk involved with your decision even though you're in armenia um you couldn't tell anybody about this right right why is that i mean you're not in iran anymore so what's the big deal
2: um, because uh, Armenia and Iran have a very, very close relation and uh, there were t- uh, too many Iranian students in Armenia that was scholarship from Iranian government and they were monitoring uh, the other students' actions and they would report to them whatever they are doing and they would quickly report, uh, deport them to Iran, deport them back.
1: Wow. So, um, so if anyone found out that like you were attending church services or Bible studies, or you know, because you were exactly. going a couple different times during the week, if anybody found that out and reported you, you could be deported. And then, what would happen once you were deported back to Iran? Um,
2: unfortunately, in uh, our country, Iran, uh, uh, c- converting from Islam to Christianity, uh, you consider it as an apostate, and uh, you will be exe- uh, executed.
1: Wow. Wow. So. This is a huge right. deal for you, deciding, yes, this is it. Um, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. Exactly. Um, now, did you tell your family?
2: Um, yes, uh, even though they, they were they were uh, a little bit worried about uh, the consequences because they knew what would happen to me if I do that, but they will always support for me, and they agreed with my decision.
1: So they, they didn't. They didn't put their faith in Jesus Christ, but but they supported you even though you didn't. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, So then um, you ended up, after a couple years in university in Armenia, you got an invitation to go to your cousin's wedding in this area, in the D.C. area. And so you came out here, and then you were going to come for a little vacation Mm -hmm. for a couple of months. Um, You were about a month and a half into your time here, and you got a letter from your mom. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that letter.
2: Um, in that letter, uh, my mom uh, was saying that uh, a few uh, officials uh, uh, from uh, the government went to our door, and they were looking for me. They were asking me uh, uh, if I'm around there, and uh, they wanted me to, uh, when I go back, they wanted me to go and meet them. And actually, they didn't specifically ask my mom what are they looking for. But my mom said uh, after that, they went to our neighbor's door and asked them uh, if I converted to Christianity or if I have an, any other religion uh, instead of Islam. And they were specifically asking them about me.
1: Wow. So they actually, that's like Enemy of the State or something. You know that movie? I mean, it's, that is wild. They, were, they came to your door and they were, so they were onto you. Somehow, yeah. somehow they, they knew something or they were right. suspicious. Um, so, so what did your mom advise you then? What was her advice to you?
2: Um, she was very worried about, um, my life because it, it definitely would be at risk. And she was asking my aunt is, if there's any way that I can stay here because my life is in danger if I go back to Iran.
1: Wow. So, um, so that's what you decided to do. You decided to stay here, um, and realize that you couldn't go back, Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't even imagine how hard that was for you to know. You couldn't go back and see your brother, um, exactly. your 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 parents, and then um, you had some really tragic, mm-hmm. uh, something really tragic happen. Your father passed away, um, and you couldn't go back for his funeral uh, a couple of years ago. T- tell us about that.
2: Uh, well, it was really uh, painful for me, and I couldn't even imagine that I, I'll be losing him. Uh, this early, uh, and it was very painful, uh, but um, I, I couldn't do anything else because I had no choice. If I would, if I go back to Iran, I would be executed, so my life was at risk, so I couldn't do that. I even couldn't be there for his funeral and say last goodbye, and it was very hard. I,
1: you know, we've talked about this. I've heard you say that three or four times. It still is so hard for me um, to hear that, and uh, I just I can't imagine how tough that that was for you um the thing that hits me is is did you ever was there ever a point along the way where you said you know is this really worth it i mean maybe i should just you know maybe i should just change my mind maybe you know i, sh- I shouldn't bother with this i just go back to you know the old way mm-hmm. um did you ever think about doing that changing your mind about your faith your belief in christ
2: i, I really didn't think about it because uh, i think uh, grace of god and being free is not something that you would give it up for having something else, anything else.
1: Wow. So you never thought, you just thought, wow, that's just not yeah. something that I ever want to, yeah. I think when we had talked earlier in the week, you'd said something that they can never take away from me. Yeah. And, um, that's really, really inspiring. excuse me, inspiring. Um, well, the cool part of this story is that, um, Sarah has been involved here at grace. She got involved in one of our, in one of our groups. And, um, was doing bible study and got to meet some folks and actually had um her asylum uh hearing recently and uh, there were uh, some folks who from grace who actually came to testify of the authenticity of her faith because she basically had to prove this wasn't just some made-up thing so she could get into this country and um the the wonderful news is that um everything was you know she she passed and um mm-hmm. I think Thank it's God. a week, right? Yes. In a week, you'll have your official documents and everything. Yes. That's supposedly right. when uh-huh. it's going to happen. So, Thank you.
2: Thank, you.
0: Thank
1: you. Praise God. That was a very nerve-wracking time. Right. Wow. Um, <laughs> it made this seem like a piece of cake, right? <laughs> 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 I told her, this is a friendly audience. You're not on trial. I promise. Yeah. Um, well, I'll leave the last words to you. Is there anything that you would like to tell uh, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ yes. here at Grace? Any encouragement you'd like to give them?
2: Um, since it's uh, happy fourth, uh, I just wanted to say uh, that uh, freedom is something very valuable. And um, for having it, you have to pay a lot. And I know how value, valuable it is because I don't have it in my own country. And I think this is something that American people have to really appreciate about. Because they have it. And I hope that someday uh, we can take our freedom back in our country, Iran.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, well, uh, if you guys would join me, we're going to pray for Sarah and then we're going to continue you. the service. Father God, uh, what an amazing story. Uh, we thank you for what you have done in Sarah's life. Uh, God, it has not been easy. And, um, those of us in this room, we can't even really imagine what it's been like for her. Um, but we thank you God that, um, just that you've seen her through this God and, um, and Lord, that she has your peace, that she feels so good in her relationship with you that she would never even think for a minute that it would be worth going back. Um, that's awesome. God, um, I just pray you'd bless her because, God, to not be able to say goodbye in an official way to her father, to not be able to go back to where she's from and to see her family, God, um, I know that that is tremendously difficult. And I just pray, God, that you would fill the voids, uh, you know, that have been created in in her life. Uh, Just fill those up, God, um, and be what she needs, be everything that she needs. Uh, Lord, help those of us who are here to just be able to appreciate what we have, the freedom that we have, and everyone who's been involved in helping us to enjoy that freedom that we celebrate this weekend, and um, we just thank you so. Bless Sarah, God, and in the rest of her life and everything she does, and in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Sarah, Thanks. so much. Right. Okay. So Sarah actually had to move some mountains to to. Uh, be here in this second service today. Um, She was supposed to be working right now, and so she's actually getting whisked out of here so she can get to her job, uh, which is pretty intense. She's in school finishing up her degree, which she started in Armenia and is also working. So um, anyway, I know a number of you would love to say hello to her, shake her hand, encourage her. Uh, We had so many people after the first service who did that, but she's heading out. So Sarah, we love you. Thank you so much. And you guys will have to see her another week. Okay, so uh, why don't we jump in now that we've really kind of set the stage for the, the type of people who would have been reading this letter from First Peter. We're going to jump in and uh, we're, I'm going to unpack this a little bit, give you some background. Um we're going to start at verse one and we're going to start in a translation of the Bible that you might not have read before. You might not have heard before. It's called the message and it's, um, it's a translation that isn't so much concerned with a word for word rendering from the Greek to the English. It's more trying to give you a sentence by sentence understanding of the tone and the feel. And it takes, you know, old 2000 year old, um, expressions and puts them into today's language. So you're not, you know, you won't find it like a perfect rendering in terms of a word for word, but it really conveys, I think, the flavor and the theme of what Peter is trying to say in the beginning. So we're going to try it today, just something different. It's kind of cool. It says this, I, Peter, am an apostle on assignment by Jesus, the Messiah, writing to exiles scattered to the four winds. Now, let me just give you a little bit of background here. So who's the author of 1 Peter? Peter. Very good. Okay, you've got the answers up there, so never mind. I won't even bother with that. That (laughs) That's excellent. Write those down. We'll keep moving. Um, So uh, it was believed that this letter was written uh, like 60 to 64 AD. Okay? 64 AD was when all the persecution of Christians really started taking off. That's when there was this great fire of Rome, and Nero was the emperor. Okay? And they didn't know who set the fire, but Nero thought, man, we don't really like these Christians anyway. We've been persecuting them, so let's just, we'll just go right after them. And that's when he started burning Christians on stakes and doing all kinds of horrific things. But, um, the persecution was well underway about this time. Uh, Peter was, was, was executed for his faith just after 64 AD. So he wrote this letter shortly before. It's believed he was hiding out somewhere right in Rome. So, um, anyway, his audience, was persecuted Christians scattered across the Roman Empire. And uh, specifically, they were in a place called Asia Minor. You might be saying, where's Asia Minor? Well, Asia Minor is modern-day Turkey. So he's writing to Christians who um, are very much dealing with adversity because it is not a good time to be a Christian. Um, And and here's why. Okay, so it's the Roman Empire. It's under Roman rule. And so basically, here was the deal. If um, If you were alive at that time... What you were supposed to do was you were actually supposed to worship the emperor, okay? The emperor was considered a deity. It was like a god, okay? But the Romans worshipped many, many, many gods. And the deal was that it was seen, you know, just like how when our economy tanks, what do they tell us to do to help the economy? We all have a responsibility to what? Go out and spend some money, right, and get the economy going? Okay, well, in in those times, in order to help the state, Okay, here's what you were supposed to do. You were supposed to make sure that you, by golly, you were praying to all the right gods. Okay, the God of prosperity, the God of rain, the God of health, the God of peace, the God of protection, you know, they had all these different gods. And listen, the the success of the state, the vitality of the empire depended on all of its citizens praying so that the gods would bless the Romans. Okay, here's the deal. So we have these Christians. And they're growing in number, and it's spreading, and it's crazy. And they're all saying, we're not going to bat to Nero. We're not going to worship these gods. We worship one god. Okay? So the Christians were considered an enemy of the state. Okay? Not just, oh, you won't believe in our religion. No, 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 no. You are jeopardizing the success of the empire. Major, major problem. And so these Christians would be under tremendous attack and persecution. Ultimately, you know, could lead to death. But for starters, you would definitely lose your job you'd lose your house, you'd lose your friends, you'd be ostracized from your family. I mean, it would just start there and it went on to just absolutely being tortured and executed for your faith. So what I want to have you guys imagine for a minute is maybe it's hard to imagine 2,000 years ago, but imagine, you know, Sarah, who's just here sharing her story. Uh, Imagine you're reading this letter and you're actually experiencing that kind of persecution for your faith, okay? Feeling very isolated, very alone. And you get this letter, from peter okay now you would know who peter was peter was the leader of the disciples okay he 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 walked with jesus for three years he walked on water with jesus you know peter was the outspoken leader of those disciples and you're getting this letter you guys think about this you know feeling discouragement feeling afraid you know you don't know what's going to happen and peter himself pens this letter to you okay and you open it up and i want you to check out verse two here's here's what it says peter says to them he says not one is missing, not one forgotten. God the Father has his eye on each of you and is determined by the work of the Spirit to keep you obedient through the sacrifice of Jesus. May everything good from God be yours. So in the second verse, we see the purpose of the letter, 1 Peter. And the purpose is this. Peter's writing this letter to encourage Christians to live out their faith in a very hostile environment. Okay, it's all about how do you live it out? How do you live out this faith under tremendous persecution, under tremendous adversity? He's saying, you know, you might feel alone, you might feel isolated, but here's how he starts it. He says, but God is with you. God is for you. It's going to be okay. You see, here's the deal. Peter, in this letter, I'm going to kind of give you a preview of what we're going to see in these five chapters of 1 Peter. Peter's going to get into all kinds of really cool ways to actually live out your faith in the world, okay? So he's got all this stuff that he's going to be instructing them on. Towards the second, we're only looking at the first half of chapter 1 today. The second half of chapter 1, he gets into how do we live God's way? What does that look like? In chapter 2, he goes into how do you grow spiritually? How do you overcome prejudice? God's way. How do you fight injustice? The way Jesus would. In chapter 3, he talks about how to have a great marriage. How to have effective relationships with other people. And how to serve with the right attitude. And in chapter 4, it gets just all this great practical stuff. How do you, you know, how do you make sense of suffering? How do you understand suffering? And then how do you overcome it? How do you deal with it? That's chapter 4. And finally, chapter 5 has to do with leadership how do you lead well? How do you lead like Jesus Christ? So he's got all this stuff, all this godly wisdom, much of it he learned from Jesus Christ. Okay. When he walked with Jesus for three years, he's got all this stuff that he's giving to them. Okay. But notice how he starts before he gets into all the practical stuff. First thing he does is he sets a tone and he says, Hey guys, it's going to be okay. God is with you. You may not feel it right now, but God is with you. God is for you. And then he does one other thing in the first half of this chapter that sets the tone for the whole rest of the, of, of the letter. Okay? It's his foundation. It's his starting point. And uh, let me see if you can find the theme. We're just going to read through these next 10 verses. I've underlined kind of the, where this hits on the theme. See if you can grab what it is. He says this, verse 3. What a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him. This father of our master, Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead. We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us in the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all life healed and whole. Switching over to the new living translation, it says this in verse six. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you haven't seen him. Though you don't see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. He's referencing the prophets of the Old Testament who were speaking these prophecies about the Messiah who was to come. Okay, It says, They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who, who preach in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. So, in those ten verses, and I underline where this recurring theme happens, in those ten verses, there are eleven references to salvation and eternal life, okay? So what Peter is doing here, as he starts out this letter, okay, he starts with this great encouragement, God is with you. And then he reminds them over and over and over and over and over again of this promise that God has promised through Jesus Christ of their salvation, that they have eternal life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, here's what Peter's about to do, okay? Just so you know, we've called this series Countercultural Living, okay? Peter is getting ready to just drop, I mean, just drop all this stuff in their lap, in this letter, okay? He's got all these instructions. And the instructions are about how to live counterculturally. I mean, he's getting ready to tell these guys who are under tremendous persecution, you know what? When someone hates you, when someone does something evil to you, you know what you're supposed to do? Love them. Bless them. That's how, that's how the gospel works. He's getting ready to, tell them you gotta you got to pray for your enemies you know you got to forgive those who are persecuting you I mean, he's getting ready to hit them with such radical countercultural stuff that he's got to start with a base and what he's doing was is he's telling them look this is the, this is what he's saying the only way that they're going to be able to do this stuff that they're not going to want to do in their own power and their own strength they're not going you don't want to go love your enemies do you so he's basically reminding them that if you're gonna do this, if you're gonna have something that's gonna fuel your faith and actually enable you to do these countercultural things, you have first and foremost to remember that what, what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. Right? And, and ultimately you're just you're doing those things out of an expression of thanks to God for what he's done for you. This is the fundamental starting point. And Peter knew this. Firsthand in his own life. That's why this is so powerful. Okay? Who remembers what Peter is probably most famous for? What do you think he's most famous for? Something he did, it involves the number three. Okay. So, Peter, you know, one of his legacies is that that's kind of one of the marks. He'll always be remembered. It's a very popular story. He denies Jesus three times the night that Jesus is arrested, and Jesus actually tells him he's going to do it, and he still does it anyway, which is just mind blowing to me. But anyway, um, So, so Peter, uh, what, you know, in that scene, here's Peter and he is afraid for his life. Jesus has been captured and he knows Jesus is about to get crucified. Okay. And so they are like, were you with him? And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. That wasn't me. That wasn't me freaking out. Okay. He's just freaking out. So here's the deal. Something happened to Peter. Something happened to him. Because when we see Peter emerge in the book of Acts, just a few weeks later, it's a whole different Peter going on, okay? I want to, us to read about it in Acts chapter 4 because, man, this is powerful. Acts 4, verses 1 through 10. So here's the deal. Now, um, Jesus has, has, has resurrected, okay? And he's actually appeared to many of his followers and disciples, okay? And so... Um, so they've seen the resurrected Christ, and they're just tell, telling everyone about it. And there was this event called Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came, and it was crazy. And all these people started, like, it was this big uproar. And so all these people were like, what the heck is going on? And so the disciples are standing up, and Peter is leading the charge, and he's like, hey, you know, Jesus is raised from the dead. And he's telling all these people about it, and it's amazing. And thousands of people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And the, uh, the disciples are like, they're praying in Jesus' name, and they're healing people in the power of jesus name and it's crazy and so all this is going on and the religious leaders get get wind of it okay and they're like okay so what's happening in acts four is peter has just healed a crippled man and um and now he's talking to the people about it because they're all curious about it what the heck is going on so they kind of get interrupted here in acts four one it says this while peter and john were speaking to the people they were confronted by the priest's the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders, so these are the religious leaders, these leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection from the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children now check this out verse 5 the next day just look at the who's who of who's coming to this meeting okay the next day the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law the entire council okay they met in jerusalem and it gives you some names annas the high priest was there along with caiaphas john alexander and other relatives of the high priest they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Now, you guys, this is a, an incredible scene. I mean, you talk about intimidating. So Peter is there, Peter and John, okay, are there. And they're looking out at the same people who basically had Jesus executed, okay? These guys were the same ones that condemned Jesus, handed him over to the Roman authorities and said, crucify this man. He's stirring up all kinds of trouble. Okay, what have what has Peter just been doing stirring up all kinds of trouble? Okay, he's standing in front of these exact same people. Okay, now let's just remember just a few weeks earlier Peter is in a courtyard outside of the temple in Jerusalem Jesus is arrested and he's inside and a little girl Sees him and goes wasn't he with Jesus? And Peter goes no, not me. He's afraid when a little girl is asking him a question. Okay, okay Denying Jesus. He denies, denies. denies. He's not going to associate. He's scared for his life. Okay? Now, you have anyone who's anyone. Okay? Caiaphas and the great. I mean, everybody is there. Okay? He knows that his life is in their hands. He knows he's a dead man walking. And they ask him, whose name were you doing this? And look at his response. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people. Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. How do you explain the transformation of Peter? How do you explain a guy who was so afraid, who was such a coward? All of a sudden, this man is so bold. I mean, do you notice how he sticks it to him too? The man who you crucified. He's putting a little salt in the wound right there. You know what I'm saying? He is so bold. He's out of his mind. You know what I mean? He's talking smack. That's what he's doing. How do you explain that? Here's how you explain it. He, with his own eyes, has seen the resurrected Jesus Christ. He's seen him. That's the only explanation. He no longer fears death. He will proclaim it to his grave. I mean, he gets executed for his faith, as did all the other disciples who saw Jesus, with the only exception being John. Okay? So he's willing to go to the grave. He has power he never had before filled with the Holy Spirit, but also because he has seen the resurrected Christ. He is sure of his salvation. He is sure that he has eternal life in Jesus Christ. He fully understands what God has done for him. Now, how does this apply to us? Well, let me explain. For the next two months, we're going to be going through this amazing letter that has this great practical wisdom, okay? And so for the next two months, we're going to be going through all these cool, cool things we can do to live counterculturally. Okay? But here's the deal. The starting point for us has to be our fuel. What fuels us has to be starting with what God has done for us. That's got to be our starting point. And so that's the only fill-in I have for you guys this morning, if you want to follow along. What fuels us as Christians is what God has done for us. That's the starting point. Okay. When we are supposed to go out and serve people, and love people that we don't deem worthy of that love or service. You know, when we're supposed to go out and, and radically do things that Jesus Christ did that we have no in our own desire, have no inkling to want to do, okay? The only way we're gonna be able to do that is by, by realizing that we have God's spirit inside of us and for realizing all that God has done for us in our lives. That's the only way it happens. So, you know, if, if you're here today. And, you know, and you're thinking, well, you know, the the way that I conduct myself at work and the way that I conduct myself in my relationships, uh, (laughs) you know, I do those things because, you know, I'm trying to be a good person or I, you know, I do it, you know, for the good of others. That's great, but that'll never get you all the way to living a a Christlike life. It it just can't because at some point you're just you just quit. You don't want to do you don't want to go all the way and live counterculturally and do some of the things that Jesus Christ calls us to do. The only way it happens is by, by starting with this acknowledge point and saying, you know what, God, the reason I do this isn't for my boss. It's not for my wife, my husband. It's not for my boyfriend or my girlfriend. It's not for my family members. I'm not doing this for them. Okay? And I'm not doing this to be a good person in your eyes, to somehow like, earn your favor, God, because we've already got God's favor. okay? Um, the only way that we can truly do this is by realizing we do this for God. We do it for God because of what God has already done for us. You see, it's living a life in such a way where you say, God, I'm just here today by your grace because you created me. Thank you for putting air in my lungs. Thank you that I'm still alive today, that I woke up this morning and I saw another day. And thank you for dying on that cross for my sins. That even though I've messed up plenty of times, that you love me and you show me that love through Jesus Christ. And when we can, when we can serve, when we can... When we can serve with that mindset, serving for Jesus Christ, serving for God and what God has done, that's our fuel, you guys. That's what fuels us. That's what enables you to do stuff you don't even feel like doing. Okay. And I know the husbands in this room have never struggled with that for toward their wives, <laughs> but I'm telling you seriously, you know, if if you're trying to you know just serve out of your own strength, you can only go so far. You really can. You got you've got to realize that it's when you serve for God and you and you get in touch with the Holy Spirit inside of you, that's where it happens. That is where it happens. So um, here's what I want to say to all of you guys this morning. Uh, There are many of you in this room, and you've put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. But it's so easy for me anyway to kind of lose lose sight and lose touch with exactly how important it is to just focus on that sacrifice and focus on what God has done for me. And I encourage you this morning to just, you know, as we pray to conclude the service, to just take a minute to just thank you, God. You know, thank you. I take it for granted so much. You know, um, and for those of you who, you know, maybe you're just checking out this whole Christianity thing. I cannot tell you how it's just so amazing when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you acknowledge him as your savior and you say, help me, you know, help me to do the things. I want to do the things that you did, but I can't do it in my own power. When you do that and you take that step and then the Holy God gives you the, his Holy spirit. When you, when you confess your faith in Jesus Christ, it is an amazing thing. It will transform the way you look at the world and the way that you live your life. And it will give you fuel that you never had before. It's an incredible thing. I encourage you to do it. You don't have to worry about getting executed for your faith in this country. It's a beautiful thing. It's amazing. It's like so free and simple and easy. It's almost like, where's the string? What's going on? But that's just how it is. So um, anyway, we're going to pray. I'm, I'm fired up. So we're going to pray and uh, we're going to c- conclude the service. Would you guys join me? Father God, um, wow, we thank you um, for all that you're doing in our lives, God. Um, we thank you for this letter. And God, um, yeah, for many of us, this is the first time we've really looked at this letter in any sort of detail. And uh, so we thank you for just the reminder that uh, ultimately, Father, we need your help to live like you. Sometimes we can fool ourselves to think that. We can just do it all in our own strength and our own power, but God, we need your help to live our lives the way Jesus, you lived yours. Uh, Lord, I want to lift up those in this room who are really contemplating, putting their faith in you, Jesus. Um, And I just would would just ask that you would help them to just see that to just make a confession that they're not perfect. God, none of us are perfect. Uh, We've all blown it, but um, we're worthy of being in your presence and we're worthy of eternal life through your son, Jesus, who lived the perfect life and who died for our sins. Lord, it is through you, Jesus, not only do we have eternal life, but we have the fuel to live this life. And um, Lord, we thank you so much for that. I just pray that um, more and more people would come to know you um, and know your incredible peace and your incredible power and the incredible way that uh, you call us to live our lives. Um, Father, uh, for those who have just kind of lost sight of... um, of how awesome your love is. And, and uh, Lord, we're kind of trying to earn your favor. Uh, Lord, help us to remember we already have it, but we just live our lives in, in, in gratitude, as an expression of our thankfulness for what you've done. Um, Lord, finally, uh, we just thank you for the reminder of our freedom um, that Sarah so poignantly uh, spoke to us about this morning. Uh, Lord, we pray for all those around the world who are being persecuted for their faith, And, um, Lord, we just pray that you would um, help us to remember how precious it is and uh, what an awesome privilege it is that we can come together and worship you. And um, we thank you in Christ's name.